Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paoli Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by the Reverend Dr. Robert Rafula. To, to be here uh, again uh, to share God's word with you is always a pleasure to get uh, this rare opportunity to, to be a servant of the Lord and also to speak to God's people. I don't take it uh, for granted. Um, I have had a cold uh, this week, the last week. Uh, it's now kind of coming to an end. So I'll try to speak slowly. I'm okay. Uh, but I trust God that I can get through and get through also in uh, the second service. So when I speak, uh, initially different from the last time you heard me, it's not that I'm changing style. I'm trying to make sure I can make it to the end of the service. Let us uh, read the word of God. We will read two passages, one from the book of Matthew, chapter Um, 28, beginning verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely... I'm with you to the end of the age. I'm also going to read to you a text uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 16. I mean, verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore? the kingdom to Israel. When they met together, they came to him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That question may sound such a simple biblical statement for us who read it so far removed from the moment of the events and the context within which they are asking this question. However, if we lived then, if we were in the moment that the disciples of Jesus were, you will realize that this question was a matter of life and death. Their lives depended on how Jesus was going to answer this question. Are you, at this time, going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Just to give all of us a background, it's been a couple of weeks, um, actually about 40 days, 
Since Jesus was crucified at this time that the disciples in the book of Acts are asking this question. 40 days. Jesus was, as we all have heard, as we went through the sermons with, with Jonathan and other pastors over the passion, the death, the crucifixion, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It was a horrendous moment. Jesus experienced the worst that can ever happen to a human being. Crucifixion, death by crucifixion was only reserved for the worst of the criminals in the Roman Empire at that time. So our Lord was subjected to the worst that anybody can never be subjected to in terms of being killed. He was shamelessly pulled, ripped off his clothes, frog marched almost naked, and painfully hard nails drawn, I mean, pushed through his flesh and left as blood trickled out of him to die. It was a painful experience. Now the disciples are looking at him 40 days later, the story after his resurrection, a couple of times that Jesus appeared to his disciples, was that I am going away. Not very good news to this, his disciples. I am going to be going away. And I am going to be leaving you here. You are not coming with me. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't good news today. Yeah, it wasn't good news to the disciples. But Jesus told them, I'm leaving you here. And they tried to squeeze from him some information about even how long they're going to be left. And there was no answer from him about timing. And the disciples feared for the worst. If they have mistreated Jesus this much. How about us, those of us who are just his followers? If they can kill the Lord, what are they going to do to us? That was a question that kept bothering them at this moment. And if you remember, uh, one of the disciples, uh, Jesus, I mean one of the disciples, Peter, the hyper-disciple, I can... I can imagine Peter being the hyper one. You remember how he chopped off the ear of one of the disciples? I mean, one of the people in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, I can imagine him coming to pull Jesus aside and saying, wait a minute. Jesus, you, 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 you are not serious, are you? You're going to leave us here? You, you are not serious. Come on now. Come back and speak to us better than you are saying right now. You probably pull him aside. Come on, let's talk. You are not going to leave us here. And the message perhaps to Peter, like to the rest of the disciples, is like, yes, I am going to leave you here. And so, at the end of that conversation, 
they pressed one last question. Okay, if you're going to leave us here, when is the kingdom going to come? Are you going to bring the kingdom now or when? Please tell us. The pain, the anguish, the suffering that they envisioned going to happen to them was just too much for them to bear. They had killed Jesus. What are they going to do to us? And indeed, when you look at the history of the church, once Jesus left, it was all very violent. And many of the disciples, the 12 disciples of Jesus and a group that accompanied them, many of them were killed, tortured, pretty very much like Jesus and killed in the same manner. When is the kingdom going to come? Are you going to return the kingdom to us? They asked. Now let me use a couple of my own experiences to draw your attention, perhaps to your own experiences too, about the need for this same question. I have asked this question so many times in the course of my Christian life, ever since I became a Christian at the age of 15, Lord, when will the kingdom come? When are you going to give us the kingdom? We live in a difficult world, in a violent world, a world that has also just so much that it dishes to all of us at different stages in our lives. Let me use my two examples, painful ones, that have pushed me to the age of asking this question, Jesus, when are you coming to restore the kingdom? So back up with me to my nine, uh, 29 years old. I'm 29 years old, very energetic young man, had just found my wife, Jane, she's seated here. And she had said yes to our marriage. I'm very excited, very happy, looking forward to this day of our wedding. I found a girl who's willing to marry me, who's going to be the mother of my children, now three beautiful children seated here. I'm very excited, looking forward. We start planning the wedding. My mother is a hyper, just like Peter. You know, he, he, she wants to do everything. When, when, when are we gonna do the wedding dresses? Where, where, where is your suit? Are you sure the tailor will get it on time? Okay, how many people do you have online? Have you, are they gonna all turn up? Is the pastor ready to preach? That was my mother. But unfortunately, my mother was also at this time very sick. She was so sick that we knew at this time that at some point in the near future, she's going to pass away. We knew that. The doctors had already alerted us. So we knew. And at this point, I'm making one prayer to God. And my prayers are, God, just help my mother to live beyond this wedding. 
I spend a hard time calming her, making her calm so that she doesn't, she's not hyper and exhaust herself. Hard task to do, <clears throat> but I tried. Guess what? One morning, uh, one evening, my, my wife, my wife-to-be, and I leave to go to visit with our best couple for final instructions. What do you do when you are married? How do you talk to each other? We went to ask those questions to our best couple that had been married for a while. Excited, we got very good answers. We're very happy. We are coming back to our house. I asked my are you all set for marriage? She said, yes, I am. She asked me, are you all set? I'm like, yes, I am. And uh, we go to sleep. <clears throat> and, uh, but, but before we went to sleep, uh, I mean, before we got home, our friend had come to our house, and my, my mother had like a mild um, uh, like blood pressure that evening, and she was taken into hospital. So when we come back to the house, she's out at the hospital, the doctors checked her, and they said, yeah, we're going to keep her for the night just to monitor the blood pressure and make sure she's fine. This is three days to the wedding. We're going to keep her here for just a night. Go home and sleep. You She's going to be fine. In the morning, my wife wakes up to take breakfast to my mom. And when she gets there, she got the worst of the news. Mama had passed away that night. Three days to the wedding. You can imagine how that feels, right? A pastor, servant of the Lord, you've been preaching and praying asking God to do a favor. And three days, my mother has her dress set, all our, everything was set, and the Lord takes her away three days to the wedding. So I come back to my sister and ask, Lord, I'm not even unhappy that my mom has passed away. I'm just completely confused. And I ask this same question then, when will the kingdom come? When will this pain end? How do you have a wedding, the most happy moment of your life, at the same time, the worst moment of your life? How do you bring those together in one ceremony? Lord, when will the kingdom come? So fast forward, just one other example. Um, we survived that, we get married, we are good. Uh, many years later, I got a chance to come and study into the US. And um, my background wasn't the, the very best. I grew out of a very poor village in, in Kenya. And I knew from a very early age that the only way I'm gonna make it out is through education. I worked very hard, studied very hard, did my very best. I was always the best student in my class. So I got a chance to come for graduate school in the US. We have started a family, we have our first son, then two kids come along later, and 
I get a chance to begin a doctorate at Drew University in 2006. That took seven years of my life to complete. And at that time, I'm just telling God, please God, I just want to survive these years. I want to get this doctorate. I want to settle into a teaching career and get my, my kids to go to school. They will never have, they, they, they don't have to go through the life I have lived. I want them to be able to afford to go to school. And um, so I'm looking forward to get into academia because I'm drawn with the benefits that comes with it, right? And one of them is that if you get to a level where you become tenured, your kids can go to school with paying just very minimal fees to college. And I'm like, whew, they don't have to pay fees. That is what I'm gonna go for. I finished my doctorate in 2013, just about the time Emmanuel, our firstborn, is about to finish college. I'm in high school and I'm excited he's never gonna have to take a loan to go to school. I get my first appointment, teaching appointment, I'm excited, so I begin building, doing everything right to get the tenure track position. In 2017, the end, that, 2017 was the end of the last contract of full-time teaching that I had. From that moment to today, every job, academic job application I have made, we are always about 100 people applying for one job. For every academic position I have applied. Many of them will not even answer back to give a regret. A couple will. And so, almost eight years down the line, that academic position to secure my children to be able to go to school doesn't happen. And Emmanuel just graduated, thank God, with his electrical engineering degree, but he had to take a lot of loan to be able to do that. We had to take a lot of loan to get him to do that. And I stopped to ask, God, when will the kingdom come? When will the kingdom come? When are you going to restore the kingdom to us? So that question is intimately very familiar with me. That question was very important to the disciples. And I'm sure now looking at your life, you may have pulled back a series of examples of your own of how life has treated you. Most of the time it's always good, thank God for that. But all the time we also have to go through the challenges of the effects of sin of Adam and Eve until we are out of here. When does the kingdom come? Now, Jesus answered that question, but he answered, the answer that he gave was not the answer that the disciples wanted. And perhaps it may not be an answer that we want, but unfortunately that was the only answer that Jesus gave them. They kept asking him, they kept pressurizing him, they kept urging him, tell us, tell us. Now we are sitting here in Paoli Presbyterian Church, 
When is the kingdom going to come, God? Tell us. Are we going to have to wait until a nuclear weapon I mean, war happens? Tell us. When is the kingdom going to come? And I bet for all of us, Jesus has the same answer, just like he had for the disciples. And that answer is found in the text of Matthew that we just read. Jesus took them out. He took them to a mountainside. And that was also the last time they saw him. Because other parts of the Bible records that a cloud came. And while they were watching, just separated them and him. Covered him in a cloud. And the cloud rose. And that is how Jesus left them. So he left them with only one answer. And this is the answer. When does the kingdom come? Jesus is like, listen, you're going to go to Jerusalem and you're going to stay there. And the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And when that Holy Spirit has come upon you, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to, be, you're going to begin from your household, your hometown, Judea, preach the gospel there. You're going to go outside, neighboring, neighboring towns in Samaria, preach the gospel there. You're going to go to the ends of the world, preach the gospel there. And then the end will come. Story done, I'm finished, Jesus said. So to them and to us, we have that particular burden. I realize every time I ask a question in my pain and in my suffering, when will the kingdom come? Jesus tells me and tells you, you are the one who has within your hands the power to bring the kingdom. And that is, take your part, take your place in spreading the kingdom of God. Now, when you hear Jesus' answer, you realize how selfish we are oftentimes. Why do I want the kingdom to come? Because I'm thinking of my personal pain, right? I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about my children. That's it. But Jesus says, no, don't think about you. Don't think about your children. Don't think about just your immediate family. Think about the rest of the world. They need to know the gospel before the kingdom can come. We've got to go to police. We've got to go to Egypt. We've got to go to our neighborhoods where we stay. We've got to activate and make our group Bible studies strong. We've got to talk to that neighbor next to us. We talk to, we got to take our place, be it giving money, be it using our voice, be it using our generosity, be it using our family, be it using whatever God has given unto us to be messengers of the gospel. And it is only when, at least according to the Bible, when God is fully satisfied that everybody in the entire world has heard the gospel 
Then the kingdom will come. Then the kingdom will come. So as you think about your challenges, as you think about your pardons, as you think about your life, as you think about those moments when you are sick, as you think about those moments when you are crying for your welfare, as you think about moments when we pray for God to do us good, just remember God wants us to open our minds and be able to also actualize the kingdom, bring the kingdom to be by being active in whatever form of ministry that God allows us to participate in. You may ask the question, how? What can I do in my status, in my condition? What am I going to do? Next Sunday, I'll try to address that question. You better come to the service. Amen. Amen. We want to thank God who gives us all the opportunity to hear his word, who is always with us and encourages us, who knows all our burdens and our failures, who knows all our sufferings, who has in his hands the kingdom, and only to him can we always turn to pray. So let's pray together to our living God. Our heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the full of, for, for the wisdom of how when you walked the earth in the person of Jesus, how you interacted with your disciples, how you are a source of strength, a pillar for them to lie on, how you walked with them all the way. You know, not only Lord, told them that they're gonna suffer, but you took the lead to suffer on our behalf. We bless your holy name. We glorify you. We thank you that, Lord, you promised us that you will walk with us step by step, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Whatever we go through, Lord, you are there with us. And you will be up to the end of the age. We bless your holy name. We glorify you, Lord. And even as all creation crowns for you, cries for your second coming, and we here at Holy Press, we cry together with the rest of creation for your second coming. May you help us to remember that you have left us a duty and an assignment to accomplish and give us wisdom, knowledge to do that in our neighborhoods, in our towns, in our neighboring towns, and all around the world. And Father, we do all these things remembering you and even how you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. 
Amen.